Hello and welcome to your BFW post-game report. I am Jake Fenner. Bayern Munich played their sixth and final game of the UEFA Champions League group stages today at home at the Allianz Arena in München against Lokomotiv Moscow. Uh, the team has already been uh, the top spot since, I believe, match day four and on, so whether or not Bayern was going to go in was not the question. Uh First half was incredibly boring football, and I think anybody that watched it would agree with me. It was a tough, tough thing to watch at times because Bayern had so many people in the box that were able to try and create chances, but for some reason they just could not find that final pass. Leroy Sané kept moving the ball uh, through him in order to stimulate the offense, Sometimes passes connected, sometimes they didn't. I want to give a special shout-out to Bournassar, who we've ragged on previous episodes of this podcast, but had a fantastic game, the best in a Bayern uniform he has had so far. He pushed up the field, he helped to whip in crosses, it was a fantastic game for him, but time after time again, Bayern tried to move up the field, they were unable to get anything done in the first half at least. Uh, Thomas Müller did a... Good job, at least from my point of view, but he was taken off at halftime, replaced by Serge Gnabry, and I don't want to say that the game became different when Gnabry came on, because Bayern had their foot on the gas from the beginning, and it just so happened that they put it further on the gas um, later on. So... Into the second half we go, Byron yet again pushing and prodding and trying to get any opportunity that they possi- that they possibly can. They're involving everybody, and by everybody I mean everybody. The best attacking player, you could be argued, the best attacking player on the field today was Nicolas Sula. And that was proven in the fact that Nicolas Sula scored the first goal of the game. He scored off of a corner kick whipped in by Douglas Costa. Beautifully headed in, 1-0 to Bayern Munich, Uh, and then just a few minutes later, Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting scores his first goal for Bayern in the Champions League, Gnabry, leaves him a beautiful pass forward as he's running into the box, both of them are basically kind of running in tandem, and Moting takes this one time into the top right corner of the net, 2-0 was the final score, and that was how the game ended. Byron won 2-0. So, those were the facts of the game. My reaction to this game. I have three things. Most of them I I put out on Twitter. Byron's defense really led the attack today. It was the return of Alfonso Davies, which I guess was something I also didn't mention. Alfonso Davies came back today uh, and started the game for Byron München, so that's fantastic for him. We're super glad to see him back. I've missed him so much uh, in this team, and that was proven in the first half when there was a uh, chance by a Lok Moscow player, I forget who, and... Davies did his patented run down from 30 yards away, getting beaten by 15 yards and still being able to catch up to the guy. That's the kind of pace that I miss. Uh, Today's performance from him just tells me that he needs to start the next game. He absolutely needs to start the next game. He's been utterly fantastic, and 
needs to keep it up. Hansi, if you're listening, please start Fonzie again. Let the kid do his thing. He's fantastic when he does it. The defense looks better for it. And I'll say this. This was Byron's best defensive performance of the Champions League, in my opinion. They did a fantastic job. It didn't look like the back line was going to crumble. And this was a back line, by the way, that was anchored by Nicolas Sula and Jerome Boateng. Nothing in there at all from David Alaba. He was not even, I believe, on the roster for the team. Neither was Robert Lewandowski. He was off for today. Chupo Moting was in. He was the only striker. Joshua Zerksi wasn't even on the bench either. So a lot of the attacking today came down to Chupo Moting, who did not perform his best before the goal happened. I think I think even the most uh, ardent Chupomoting supporters, uh, a.k.a. our former site manager, John Dillon, can admit to that. He did not have his best game today, but when he scored, he was able to chip in the best that he could. And it's fantastic for him. I love seeing Chupomoting score a goal. Um, I think around him, the supporting cast was not at its best. I'm specifically going to call out Leroy Sané. Now, here's the reason why. And I've been talking to, again, a bunch of people on Twitter about this. Um, shout out to uh, uh, Stefan Stocking, who keeps uh, who I'm having a back and forth with on Twitter. My basic thesis is this. Leroy Sané throughout this game kept pushing the ball up the field. He was doing a great job in terms of pushing it up the field and attacking and making dangerous runs and dangerous passes. And for that, I applaud him. It was a great job by him. But it's one thing to do that and then convert that. And it's another thing to do do that and not have it lead to anything. Now, it's not always Leroy Sané's fault. Not all of those chances were his fault. He would leave off passes to Bunasar, who would hit a great cross, and then there was nobody in the middle. He would leave it off to Chupo Moting, who would get the ball taken away from him. He would leave it for Thomas Müller, who didn't have his greatest game, but it wasn't an awful performance either. And then nothing came from that. But a lot of times, you would see Leroy Sané taking, like, 28 to 35 yard pot shots trying to curl them into the top left corner and it would just go really really high into the sud curva so that was a little confusing on my part and it leads me to point number one Leroy Sané needs more time training with this team I think that he's a good player but for 60 million euro, we don't want him to be good. We want him to be the best winger on our team. That's what we paid 60 million euros for him for. Um, and it's a debate really between whether or not uh, Serge Gnabry or Leroy Sané is the second most informed winger behind, of course, Kingsley Coman. If we go off of tonight's performance, Gnabry got substituted on at half. He... Had an assist, so that was fantastic. He didn't leave his mark or press his style of play into the team as much as Leroy Sané did. But Canabri also got results, and that's not something that Leroy Sané did. If I was Hansi personally... I would start Coleman and Gnabry at the wings for the game coming up on the weekend against Union Berlin, and I would put Sané on the bench, but I would substitute him in. I don't know if consistent performances moving up the pitch 
but turning that into no goals warrants starting spots. I love him. I want to see him do better, but he's also started consistently over the last couple of games, and this wasn't his first performance like this. So I think it might be a good idea. Shuffle it around a bit at the wings, get somebody new in, and... We'll just have to see whether or not that happens on the weekend. So that's point number one. Point number two, the defense led the attack. Like I kind of mentioned earlier and kind of alluded to earlier, um, Nicolas Sula scored a goal. Nicolas Sula was running up the pitch really, really well, dribbling in the box, creating chances, which is not something that <laughs> Nicolas Sula is supposed to do. He's not really supposed to do that at all, and yet he came out there and scored a goal. He even put, like, normal shots on goal outside of a header. He took great shots and put them on goal. Um, Bunasar, like I mentioned, whipping in crosses, getting people in there. Alfonso Davies was predatory in and of himself. He was taking shots in the box on goal, whipping in crosses. They, they all did very well. It was, like I said earlier, probably one of the best defensive boards performances Byron has put out. Whether or not that's because Alfonso Davies is back, it's too early to say, but I like that theory. That's my theory, right? Because Alfonso Davies just brings pace and youth to this team and brings a spark in that back line that keeps them holding on to each other incredibly well. And that's something that I think he brings that Luca Hernandez does not. And so I want him to be more consistent in the start. And my third point that I want to bring up is how great of a day this was for the young midfielders, right? So, Thomas Muller gets taken off. The starting double pivot was Leon Goretzka and Mark Roca. And Roca had a fantastic game. He was really, really good today. He was holding down that defensive midfield. Uh, Goretzka got substituted off, and Jamal Musiala came on. And that was at a point where... Bayern were in search of a goal. Uh, they needed to push up the pitch more, so bringing on Musiala was a great idea for that. But I put out on Twitter my fear at the time that why would you leave a younger kid like Rocca to be the only person holding back for defense as Musiala pushes up the pitch? And I was proven wrong. Rocca did a fantastic job getting back on defense, uniting the defense, keeping the line together, being that help, that extra support that he needs to be. And it was a great performance from him. And then I'll also give a shout out to Angelo Stiller, who came on for Leroy Sané at the uh, dying embers of the game. And he also put on a pretty impressive performance as well, linking together some fantastic passes. So shout out to the kids. The kids are all right. They did a fantastic job today. And I'm hoping to see more and more from the future kids in the future, so to say. I got lost in my words there, but that's fine. Uh, that's probably the one blessing in disguise in the fact that Joshua Kimiki is out. We get a lot more involvement from the youngsters. It's hard to say right now whether or not I would uh, prefer to just have Kimik in or have the youngsters because that's a testament to the youngsters. They've all been performing a lot better than we hoped. And my hope, at least, is that when Kimik comes back in January, Hansi still rotates the kids in more often. So that is the end of our wrap-up for the Bayern game, but that does not mean we're done for this episode because a lot of wild things happened throughout Europe today, um, including 
a wild nil-nil draw between Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, Inter, from what I saw from people tweeting about it, did not seem like they wanted to attack or even challenge for a spot. They must not have known that uh, Munchen Gladbach was going to get in regardless of a result because they did not perform well at all. And as a result, Inter Milan are completely out of Europe. Uh, Real Madrid beat Mönchengladbach 2-0, but Mönchengladbach was a head-on goal difference of Shakhtar anyways. BMG had a plus 7, Shakhtar had a minus 7 for their goal difference, so they were getting in regardless of a result, um, as long as that was a nil-nil draw. So, Mönchengladbach is into the round of 16. Every German team that qualified for the Champions League is off to the round of 16, so that is fantastic. We are 4 for 4. Real Madrid won that group out, of course. Shakhtar Donetsk go off to the Europa League. Back to our group for a second. The other game that I was watching was Atletico Madrid versus FC Salzburg. I was praying, I was hoping so hard for Jesse Marsh's team that they would be able to find some way to sneak in and pull out a win, but a 39th minute goal for from Hermoso, and then another one later on uh, to make it 2-0. Salzburg are off to the Europa League. They're off to the round of 32, so they're still in Europe, Um, but it's not exactly the place that I had hoped. Uh, That team is fantastic. That team has a lot of youngsters. Other than Shaboshlai, they got Patsendaka, they got some other fantastic players. I hope they're able to keep that team together, aka I hope Shaboshlai stays with them, because I think they could be incredibly deadly in this Europa League. I could see them sneaking it. Not to mention, the American Jesse Marsh, I want him to do very well. So that group finishes. Bayern on top, by a long shot, Atletico, uh, Salzburg, and Moskvau. Moscow. Uh, Manchester City won their game today, I believe. Uh, They won that group with Porto coming in second, Olympiacos third, Marseille uh, in dead last. Um, Group D, Liverpool won, Atalanta two, Ajax was not able to pull anything out. They come in third, but they're off to the Europa League. And then uh, Danish side Michelin finished last. Group E, Chelsea won that one a while ago. Sevilla coming in second, Krasnodar coming in third uh, over Ren uh, with their youngster, Kamavinga. He's not going to be in a uh, European spot unless he transfers somewhere else. Group F, Dortmund on top, Lazio in second. They break one of the longest absent European streaks for one of the quote-unquote best teams in uh, Serie A. They are back for the first time in a long time, I believe since the 90s, so that's fantastic for them. Uh, That group also has Club Bruges going off to the Europa League and then Zenit in last with only one point. And speaking of another group with a team with one point, Ferenc Varos from Hungary in Group G finished dead last with one point. Dinamo Kiev in third go off to the Europa League and the winners and second place are Juventus and Barcelona after that utter hammering that Juventus gave Barcelona uh, at the camp now uh, the other day. And then Paris Saint-Germain and Herbe Leipzig are off to the next round uh, with Manchester United in third going back to the Europa League and Istanbul Besiktas just out of the competition. So what does that mean for Bayern? Two important things I would like to point out. First, number one, Bayern currently have an aggregate through the group stage of 18 to 5. And that's good 
it's not as good as last year when at this same point they were up 24 to 5 in terms of goals, but it's still impressive that they're up by that much. I believe give me one second. Uh, yeah, they've scored the most goals in the group stage out of everybody, so that's an accomplishment for them. Um, second, the potential opponents in the round of 16. Here's what we're looking at. We're looking at Porto, we're looking at Atalanta, we're looking at Sevilla, we're looking at Lazio, and we're looking at Barcelona. And oh my god, what if this team played Barcelona again? That's fantastic. That's utterly fantastic, and I would love, love, love to see that. So that's going to wrap up our post-game report. Thank you very much for listening. Give this some love if you liked it. If you want us to keep doing these, let us know. Like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on all of the platforms that you can find your quality audio content. Follow us on Twitter, at BavarianFBWorks and at JeffersonFenner. And until next time when we release an episode of Der Ausblick ahead of the game on Saturday against Erste Etze Union Berlin, we will see you all later. Have a great day. Auf Wiedersehen.